Hi, hello, what is going on? Today's Monday and I'm recording all of today's podcast today. And if you're listening to this on Tuesday, that is the day before Monday if you're unaware of the days of the week. And yeah, that's all I can really tell you about that. (laughs) More, can you hear that? Horn, honking, traffic, city living, am I right? If you can't hear it, never mind. But if you follow me on Instagram before I lose my train of thought once again, I posted at M. No, oh my gosh, I was gonna say at M. Knopfler on my personal account. No, not right. At Fuel My Run, I posted about how I wanted to talk more about this running mantra I used on my last speed workout and how freaking crazy it was and how how well it worked. I'm not kidding. This one really hit somewhere in my brain in the motivation center. If you're not familiar with that part of the brain, it's called the motivation center. It's right in the front. Just kidding. But what part of the brain does motivation stem from? That has to be like the prefrontal cortex, right? (laughs) Let's find out. Uh All right, so this is the part of the brain that I don't know very much about, so let's learn about it. The striatum. Nerds out there are like, yes, the striatum. Let's talk about it. Striatum and the OFC are main brain regions involved in sustaining motivation. Very, very interesting. Okay, where is the striatum? So it's a structure found in the forebrain. If you're looking at a photo of it, it looks like smack dab in the middle of the brain, to be honest. They're calling that the forebrain. Okay, it's implicated in regulating motor behaviors and responses to rewarding and averse stimuli. Necessary for voluntary movement control. Okay, that's interesting. Maybe that means like voluntary. So you have to, for running, for example, easy, easy example right there. You're welcome that I just came up with that. Running, so voluntary. It's not an involuntary thing like, you know, breathing. We're choosing to run. And so to keep up with that movement, I think you really have to work that part of the brain. Interesting. You know, we'll dive more into that in another episode. That's not the point here. That's not where we're coming from. But basically, this mantra hit my striatum in the right way, tapped it right. You know what I mean? And it just really got me to finish my workout and relatively at a lower effort than I thought it was going to be. So I think there's something to that. And obviously, mantras, they have to speak to you. And I think it's kind of, it's really individualistic. But sometimes when I hear someone else's mantra, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that works. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. It speaks to me. So maybe this will speak to you, too. Man, Monday, am I right? So it's kind of funny. I feel like before we get into the mantra thing, and we're also going to be talking a lot about Molly Seidel. You probably have heard about that girl. She got bronze in the Olympic marathon recently. What was that, like a week ago? She's going to be a big part of where this running mantra came from. But before we get into that and kind of talk about her story, which if you don't know it, I'm going to go into it a little bit. Very interesting and a little bit different than what a lot of the headlines are talking about. You know, this random barista wins bronze. It's like, well, there's a little bit more to the story. So we'll dive into that. But before we go into it, let's talk about snacking. I remember the other day I was eating a snack and I was like, oh, Sam, do you want a snack? And we're just talking about the concept of snacking. And Sam's like, yeah, you're such a big snacker. And I was like, I don't really think I'm a snacker. I don't really snack that much. And he looked at me wide-eyed and was like, 
Michelle, you're crazy. You are the biggest snacker. And then I had a realization. Guys who aren't, I guess, endurance athletes, (laughs) guys don't snack. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I've never hung out with a guy that was like, let's get a snack before dinner. They just eat a big meal (laughs) and they're good to go until the next meal. And again, I didn't think I was a big snacker, but yet here I am. I have a snack right next to me. A, rel- a relatively really healthy snack today. So I posted this also on my Instagram, the dry roasted edamames, which is literally just a, like you get some edamame, you roast it, throw a little sea salt on there. Let's see. The only ingredients are soybeans and sea salt. Haha. I'm telling you, there's some like flavored ones and stuff. You can really jazz it up and go fun with it. But these are so good to me. The flavor just I remember, I think my mom put them in my stocking one year when I was visiting home from college on Christmas break. She put these in my stocking. I was like, interesting. But I was always into like, you know, what I thought was a healthy snack. And so I tried them and I was like, holy crap. (laughs) They're so good. They're so tasty. So if you haven't had these, they might look stupid at the store, but buy them and it will change your freaking world. Listen to this. So this... (laughs) I can definitely, I mean, I usually eat these probably a couple servings at least at a time, but the serving size, there's four servings in a bag and one serving has 14 freaking grams of protein. Yeah, right? Also, it's super balanced too. I mean, usually in a snack, I would have more carbs, but I also have some blueberries going on here, but there's nine grams of carbs and five grams of fat. So you're getting a little of all of it, mostly pretty protein heavy here, a good amount of fat too. And then I got some blueberries here, some bloobs, because I haven't had fruit today (laughs) and I saw them in the fridge about to go bad. I just ate a really big handful of them and I'm pretty sure one of them was moldy. So that was really fun for me. And I had the option of either spitting them all out or just swallowing and guess what I did? Okay, I also feel like these dry roasted, I don't know why I'm saying dry roasted, it just says that on the front. These roasted edamames, edamames? I feel like they would be really, really good in a salad for that little like crunch, like a little, ooh, you know? I, every time I make a salad, which is not very common, even though I do have my go-to salad recipe that is so good and you're getting so much out of it, a lot of healthy fat, you got some protein in there and a ton of vegetables and you feel like you're eating heaven. So maybe we'll talk about that too, but I feel like you can, I, okay. Back to the point. I feel like when I make a salad, it's always a little too slimy. (laughs) By slimy mean meaning I don't add a good crunch factor. I should be making some croutons from scratch, you know, maybe some like roasted, roasted, oven roasted, or am I just saying that because of the edamame? Like, you know, throw some sourdough bread with some olive oil, garlic, and all the good stuff in the oven, make it crusty, make it crunchy. That would be a really good addition. But what I'm saying is if you're lazy, (laughs) like me right now, you'd throw some edamame on the salad, these dry roasted ones, and it would make your life so much better. So highly recommend. I I bet Trader Joe's has some. Like, why wouldn't they? This seems like a very T. Joe's situation. But I also, I bought these from Ralph's. I think any grocery store, you can find them in the snack aisle, you know? Check it out. If you get them, let me know what you think. Leave a review of this podcast and be like, Michelle, I tried the dry roasted edamame. They're terrible. Or 
alternatively. I tried the dry roasted edamame and they were delightful. They made my day and I eat them now on the daily. So yeah, let me know. And the friend that says, enjoy life, eat well. Good source of protein, baby, heart healthy. I could not amp up this snack enough if I can only be sponsored by a dry roasted edamame company one day. But yeah, these are amazing. I digress. So anyway, so snack foods. I apparently, since I'm just learning that I'm a big snacker, kind of like when you find out you're a twin for the first time, you're like, I have a long lost twin. That's crazy. This is kind of like the same feeling when you're like, oh my God, I'm a snacker. Wow. Had no idea. So when I'm snacking, the best snack in my opinion, and again, I'm not, again, I have, haven't said it in this episode, but I think you know what I'm going to say. I'm not a dietitian. Don't listen to my advice until you maybe check with someone who could give you good advice and we are, we're all different. That's my disclaimer for this. But when I eat a snack and from what I know, I know that having a good source of carbs, protein, and fat as well as making sure you have a good amount of fiber in your snack is gonna be the perfect recipe to make sure you're full and not wanting to just snack all day long. You know, like if you pick up a bag of chips and that's all you have, it's gonna be really easy to eat through the bag. But maybe, like, hear me out, having some chips and apple and peanut butter. So you're getting a little bit of fat from the peanut butter. There's also some protein in there too, and then some carbs from the apple and the chips. And you, you might not want to eat the entire bag too, you know, because you're going to get a little bit more full from the peanut butter. Another one, another one. This is one that I would also do for a meal, but hear me out, could also be a really good snack. So toast a piece of bread, basically my avocado toast situation with a scrambled egg, fried egg, however you want to do it on top. So you got the protein fat from the egg. You also have the healthy fats from the avocado, carbs from the bread. You could also scramble in some spinach into the egg. I always, my scrambled eggs will always have spinach in them because it's just such a good way to get in some veggies. You know what I mean? You could also scramble in, you know, some garlic, make it delicious, whatever else you want in there. So that is probably one of my most balanced snacks when I feel like I have the energy to put an egg on a pan. You know, you really just have to prepare yourself for that situation. Another good snack, just like a really easy smoothie. You can just throw everything in there, getting some good protein. Maybe you're throwing in some protein powder here. Easy, bada bing, bada bang. You got some, a little bit more protein from some almond milk, you know, good calcium there too throw in some spinach because if you're not putting a spinach in a smoothie, that's a missed opportunity. (laughs) Maybe banana, maybe some fruit, frozen situation. Could always do some frozen spinach, frozen cauliflower, anything to kind of make it a little bit more thick and also be getting a little bit more vegetables in there. And yeah, you can make it balanced like that, baby. Oh, peanut butter on a smoothie? I mean, that's, that's obvious. That's, if you're not doing that now, where have you been, you know? Okay, I'm gonna shove these blueberries in my mouth right now and just pray to God none of them are moldy because I just really don't want that experience again. Just kidding. I checked this time. A couple other snacks that I've been alternating in. We have been pretty lazy lately. Mixture of COVID vibes, mixture of just lazy energy. I don't know. Working from home is kind of hard sometimes. My sleeping's been off and it's just been weird, but it's really easy to just kind of grab a protein bar. And you know, like I try to eat mostly whole foods, 
most of the time. And when I eat too many protein bars, like even once a day, my stomach kind of is like, what are you doing to me? My stomach is really sensitive. <laughs> but I mean, we, we usually buy a big thing of Cliff Bars because Sam and I both like those. And you, just, you grab it, you eat it, and then you move on with your life, especially in the middle of the day if I'm pretty busy and I don't really have time to do too much, like maybe have an apple, maybe some carrots, whatever. But like protein bar, easy to shove in between a meal <laughs> and before you eat your next meal. So sometimes I'll do like a double lunch where I'll have like, I don't know, a scramble, some some bread, <laughs> veggies in there, some avocado, whatever it is. And then kind of sounds like my avocado toast, but just in a different preparation. And then my second, what I look at as mini meal would be like, if I'm just rushed again, maybe like apple, berries, banana, whatever fruit we have, apricot, just threw that fruit in there so it sounds like I mix it up and a protein bar something like that another one obvious carrots in any dip really anything hummus is great you know because you're gonna get some fiber there some protein some healthy fats I mean I like to dip my carrots in guacamole too I eat an abundance of avocados if it's not obvious then I don't know where you've been I eat too many avocados I am an avocado I have a green hue I'm trying to think. I know I probably have more snacks added in there, but those are really the go-tos and out of convenience, they make the most sense for me. I'm a, I'm a convenience gal. I mean, don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, I, I love, if I'm in the snack aisle when I go sh- grocery shopping and I haven't eaten before, you know, I will definitely grab some, I, I can't find my air popper, my popcorn air popper. They used to be my number one go-to snack after dinner and just if I feel like popcorn because I, I'm i a popcorn gal my entire life. So we might buy some, what is it called? Smart Pop? I feel like that's not the name. I don't know. Some where it's basically just a couple ingredients and it's in a bag and it's just easy. It's just easy to eat and it's enjoyable and delicious. I also really like those Siete chips. Siete, right? I believe they're made out of almond flour. I could be wrong. But they're, they're delicious. They are a little bit salty, so keep that in mind. But love, 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 love. The nacho ones, delicious. And even normal chips. <laughs> we always have tortilla chips at the house. We always have some salsa. Here we go. Another snack right here. Tortilla chips, salsa, bada bing, bada bang. A lot of carbs right there. But you can also add in, let's see, what, what could we do for some fat and some protein? Oh, Oh, hear me out here. Buy pre-made lentils from Trader Joe's. Do like a little bowl and mix the salta with the pre-made lentils and scoop it up with the tortilla chips. You're going to get a little bit of protein, fiber, and there you go. I mean, ideally I'd add some greens in there too, but like I'm just being convenience sake here. So yeah, but anyways, that's my snack recap. I hope Maybe one of those inspired you to change up your snack routine or try something new and let me know what snacks you're having too. Okay, let's get into the meat of the episode. All right, maybe you've heard of her, maybe you haven't. And if you haven't, you're gonna hear of her now. (laughs) Molly Seidel. For the record, definitely saying it wrong. Molly Seidel. Correction again, Sam called me out. Molly Seidel. 
but also just a disclaimer, I'm gonna do my best to tell her story. This is just from interviews I've seen, articles I've read of hers, so it's not firsthand, obviously. So you might be able to fact check me, but yes, just, I'm gonna talk now, okay? Who is she? Born in 1994. This chick is fast. <laughs> Let's talk about it though, because she just won bronze in the Olympics, in the marathon. And it was her third ever marathon. Third ever bronze. Isn't that crazy? And I mean, it was such a journey for her to get there. And I think it's one that's notable. And it's also full circle here. I'm telling you, this isn't random. It's what got me to figure out the mantra that helped me through my last speed workout. Okay. So it was her only her third marathon ever. So how did this start? She ran her first marathon in 2019. She qualified in the Olympic trials in Atlanta in her first ever freaking marathon, finishing two hours, 27 minutes, and 31 seconds. For a little bit of perspective, my PR marathon is over an hour slower <laughs> than this. <laughs> and I was pushing it. She went to school. She went to college at Notre Dame and was known as the fastest woman in the NCAA at that time, the fastest freaking woman, okay? Like she was winning a lot of stuff. She would go to nationals and she specialized in the 10K. So the marathon at this time was not even on her radar. The 10K is such a difficult race too. You have to be fast and it's gonna hurt. It's gonna burn. I mean, the 5K sucks too, but the 10K is also just, man, it is a mental game. I feel like 10K athletes can translate to the marathon if they really want to put in the mileage that you need to do to train for the marathon, but the 10K is intense. I remember looking at her 10K, I feel like it was like a 33. Correction, 32 minutes. Crazy for perspective. My PR 10K was like a 43. So she's fast. She was, again, one of the fastest of her time when she went to school. You may hear this and be like, okay, Molly had the coolest college experience. She was so fast, but she was battling a lot of demons during that time. And it wasn't just all rosy and roses, whatever the saying is. She had a lot of stuff that she had to deal with to get to where she is now. So four years ago, 2016, Molly could have competed in the Olympics with and had sponsorships, but her physical health was deteriorating because her mental health was not there. And you know how important mental health is because it's important, you know, and people are talking about it more. And I've been talking about it a lot more because I struggle a lot with anxiety and a lot of depression right now. And holy crap, even this last week for me, all of my runs have been off. They've been so off and I felt terrible and I'm so slow and it just, you know, relative to like my normal easy pace, like my slow easy pace in that range is feeling hard. And I know a lot of that is coming from the depression and, and anxiety I've been experiencing and it's hard. So thinking of someone at that elite level <laughs> and trying to battle her mental health and keep up her physical health just seems insane to me. So let's talk a little bit more about what that mental health struggle was. So Molly, most people know that she struggled with bulimia, was kind of considered perfect eating, trying to be perfect. And that stemmed from her OCD. So she has a lot of struggles with OCD, depression, and anxiety, which, you know, maybe you're listening to this, you're like very relatable to me. I'm like, yeah, a lot of this is really relatable too. 
but she was struggling so hard back when she was one of the best collegiate runners you know, at races, I guess they would write down that she wasn't looking healthy or she seemed unhealthy. And can you imagine going into a race and having people notate, (laughs) like, seems unhealthy, looks unhealthy, like commenting on, like, how you look or whatnot and, you know, basically telling you you're unhealthy. That's got to be a freaking brain drain too. I would be crazy if someone was like, Ugh, you look really sickly and unhealthy, but like you need to run fast. It's like, okay. And also, you know, you've probably heard a lot about this too. Collegiate runners have a lot of freaking pressure to be slim and slender, to be able to run quote unquote faster. And a lot of the time, you know, being too skinny is not going to translate to that. Maybe you've been following the whole organ project. Maybe you've heard Mary Kane's story. Basically, the coach, Alberto Salazar, was very into pushing people to kind of a mental break to get to their slimmest weight possible because he convinced them and everyone on his team that they wouldn't reach their potential, they're going to be slower and, you know, said a lot of other terrible things unless they got very, very skinny. And... (laughs) You know, there's just, there's a lot more that goes into it. I said that really simplistically, but there's a lot of pressure in the running world and hopefully we're getting out of that as the years go on. But there's a lot of pressure on elite athletes to be what they consider, you know, prime weight. But basically, you know, around the time that the Olympics was coming four years ago, Molly realized that she she couldn't do it. She just could not put herself through the training it was going to be for her to compete. And so instead of training for the Olympic trials in 2016, she decided to get treatment instead of signing a pro contract. How freaking hard would that decision be? I mean, I give her so many props for making that decision for her mental and physical health. And I mean, when you do that, you're kind of setting a tone for your future too. You know, when you're kind of just in a situation or mental, your mental health isn't there Physically, you're you're sick, whether it means you're really underweight or really overweight or whatever it is, and you need to get healthy again. It's so important to take that time because in the future, what what's going to happen? The only thing that's going to happen is it's going to be harder to get out. So the sooner you can get help, talk to a therapist, and work out your situation, the sooner you're going to be able to get out of it. So that's what she did. She's like, you know what? pro contract, goodbye. And I mean, don't get me wrong. She still had feelings of doubt at that time. You know, is she wasting all of her potential? You know, the next freaking Olympic trials aren't until four years from now and she was at her peak, but deteriorating at the same time. So she really had to make a decision. How crazy is that? Okay, so she gets treatment. She has her friends, she has her therapist. She's working through a lot of what she's been dealing with for years in college and her entire running career. She's working through that. Fast forward, 2019, never ran a marathon, been training for a marathon at this time. And she goes to Atlanta. Maybe you remember when the US Olympic trials were held there for the marathon. She was there. She was there, baby. And she got freaking second place and qualified for the Olympics at that race and her first marathon. What cracks me up is a lot of the news articles say, barista (laughs) qualifies for the Olympics. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of the time when you're running in college or, you know, maybe 
not college, but when you graduate college and you're a professional runner, a lot of the time you might need to get a second job as well because, you know, it doesn't necessarily pay the bills right away. You got to start competing, you got to build up, you know. So she qualified for the Olympics. Amazing, right? So Olympics, supposed to be in 2020. Remember that year? I sure do. (laughs) AKA last year, AKA COVID. Did a 180 on society. And in this case, the Olympics. All of these athletes had been training and were ready to go. They were ready to take a plane to Tokyo and get to that start line. Everything changed. And so at that time, Molly was like, okay. She lived, I believe she lived alone with her sister in Boston area, in the Boston area. I believe that's the case. I could be wrong there. Correct me. But she realized that she was going to fall into her old tendencies because, okay, quarantine, I had a hard time. Did you have a hard time? I was losing my freaking mind. My anxiety was crazy. I was just lethargic, sad. (laughs) I hated not seeing people. I was sad with what was going on in the world and upset with society at the same time. And I was a mess. So she decided to stay with her parents for a month during that time, I believe in the beginning. She got help, you know, she kept with her therapist, she was with her family, she had her support of loved ones around her, and that was exactly what she needed to do. It's hard when you deal with anxiety, depression, especially disordered eating. So I give her props, you know, and I'm sure you do too, for doing what she needed to do to get through it, talking to her therapist, the support of family, friends, as much as you could do, you know, during COVID, and she decided, you know what? I don't really think I want the Olympics to be my second marathon. (laughs) Maybe I should do another before. And so in 2020, she was able to do the London Marathon, a marathon that still went on. So in 2020, she did the London Marathon. But you know what? I believe her family was in Wisconsin and maybe not the best place to train for a marathon. So you know what she did? She went to Flagstaff, Arizona, baby, for some altitude training And this blows me away. She was running and, you know, a lot of elite athletes are clocking in this many miles a week, but, you know, at least 125 miles a week with all of her training. And she committed to an eight-week training program before the race. So I guess a lot of elite marathoners, they're basically committing to more of like a 12-week, which don't get me, they're not coming into it cold, okay? These are professional runners they're coming into it with a really strong base of miles like running 100 miles a week is probably okay they're not going to be like oh my god my body's breaking down no they've worked up they're running hella miles (laughs) each week they're doing speed workouts normally but this is intense intense marathon and race specific training and she did a shortened training like I was saying for eight weeks in Flagstaff, baby. I have family in Flagstaff. I remember visiting my cousin Cody. He's like a trail runner. He does trail races a lot. I have a big running family. It's pretty cool. But Cody is really into the trails and he's like, oh yeah, Michelle, you run like, let's go out for a run. And I don't know why, but (laughs) freaking elevation does something to me. Elevation, no breathing. But I breathed a lot. (laughs) I had a lot of breath going on. I just could not catch it, to be honest. So we went out. We were going really slow. 
And I could barely keep that pace up. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I can't run. And he was going as slow as he probably could. And I was like, please just go ahead. But we went on a couple of runs when I was there only for like, you know, three to six miles at a time, probably. And I just like could barely hang on. So imagine like trying to imagine doing at least 125 miles a week, which LOL, I like can barely, I my highest marathon training mileage is like 50s. And that's like peak of my training, but also I don't run every day. So also I'm just like the common folk. I'm not a professional. So just eight weeks of intense altitude training. It ended up working out is the short story here. The short part of everything condensed. It worked. She went to London. This race went on during the pandemic in October. So in London, she got sixth place. Not too shabby, I would say. And you know what? That was probably a really good idea for her to run that marathon because it gave her more marathon experience. Like that race is crazy. You know, the the kick you have to do in the last 10K, the last 6.2 miles, just how to run the course. There's so much strategy to it. There's so much teamwork in a way, you know, you're working with others to get to that last 10K and really push it, kick it. And you also don't know the strategy that your other opponents are using. Are they planning to go out slower, faster? Are they going to kick it at, you know, mile 10 and try to like gain a little bit of lead and kind of like freak out some other runners? There's there's so much to it. It's so mental and obviously physical. This is a high, high demand. So the fact that she did that really put her in a good situation scenario come Olympics. This August 2021, which was what, a week ago, (laughs) Molly goes out, runs the race of her life, gets the bronze medal for America, baby. And yeah, the rest is history. But anyways, you're like, okay, Michelle, what does that have to do with a running mantra? Well, I thought about it. And just everything that she had to go through to get to where she is, she believed in herself and She did what she needed to do to get there. And every workout was probably hard. Every step of the way, she made a conscious decision to take steps to get there. And I thought, why not me? And okay, pause, pause, stopping right there. I don't mean why not me, I should go train for the Olympics. (laughs) I mean, why not me? Why am I not allowing myself to get to my full potential? What is holding me back? And I thought about it. This is all kind of during the speed workout too. Why not me? I'm letting anxiety, I'm letting all of this get in the way. Anxiety is making my sleep really bad. It's making my runs feel really hard. I'm thinking of all of the obstacles I have that are affecting me and affecting my my mental health, my physical health. Why not me? Why am I not doing everything I can to make a difference to then really push myself physically? When I first started running, I was the fastest that I ever was. And, you know, a few years in, that kind of went downhill. I was dealing with a lot of demons. I went through a lot of life changes, like a big breakup, friend drama, just little things that really, you know, sometimes it affects people less. Sometimes it affects people more. I'm just one of those people that things affect a lot. Wait, that sounds weird. I just, I'm affected by things. I'm, I'm really sensitive and I feel a lot. And I've thought, why am I not doing what I can to get back to where I was? You know, there's always a way to do that. And 
I want to get back to where I was and I want to get better than where I was too. I don't want to try to just meet my last PR and just be happy that I got back there. I want to get to that PR and then I want to smash it and I want to get faster. And I thought, why not me? Why am I not doing this? And during my entire speed workout, I was on the treadmill and I'm not in a treadmill mode right now. I'm not in a treadmill mood, okay? I'm not a treadmill gal at the mom. I, I talk about that sometimes. You know when you run outside mostly, like when you run outside, it's going to feel normal. You hop on the treadmill, it's going to be like, oh, hello, old friend. I haven't been on you in a while. And it's just kind of awkward. Well, that's how I'm feeling with treadmills right now. But the more I run on them, the easier it feels. So we're not really friends right now because I don't really go to the gym. But I went with Sam <laughs> for the first time in like a month. I usually just do strength and everything at home. And I thought, you know, I had a short warm up, but then... I played with the pace and wanted to average kind of where my 5K pace, and I have never raced a 5K in person, but when I, you know, went out and did kind of like a time trial, I was like right around that seven minute mile, 703, 705. And I was like, I'm going to run that pace and I'm just going to keep practicing it until it feels comfortable. And I ran two miles at that pace, mile off, and then I hit it again for another mile and it felt relatively easier than I thought it was going to. And I think that's because I was repeating to myself, why not me? Why can't I finish this workout? Why won't I finish this workout? What's holding me back? What mental block do I have up right now that's gonna get me to not finish this workout? Yeah, I'm a little sleep deprived. Yeah, I'm a little sad right now, but why not me? Why can't I finish this workout? Somehow convinced myself it was a good idea to finish it. And also, how good does it feel when you complete a workout that you've decided to undertake? You know, your coach or maybe you just have a workout on the calendar and it sounds hard, but once you finish it, you're like, yeah, I'm badass. <laughs> I did it. I did it. And it helped me get to that good feeling that I crave and the feeling of, you know, you feel rewarded. You feel happy. You feel like you've accomplished something. The feeling of accomplishment is huge, especially if you're someone like me. And that felt really, really nice. And I have been toying with the idea of training again. And I've been kind of increasing my mileage and adding in some long runs here and there. And I'm not 100% sure I will be racing in October. And I'm definitely not there to race and try to PR or anything like that. But I'm getting one step closer. And I'm happy with myself for doing that because why not me? Kind of a loaded story there. But like I said in the beginning, mantras are really personal to the individual. I find a lot to be very corny. Why not me might be really corny to you. <laughs> but also when you're running and you have a lot of adrenaline flowing, corny things get a little bit cooler. Like when you're just sitting down and you say your mantras out loud, you're like, oh gosh, that is some corny stuff right there. But when you're repeating it to yourself, when you're out and your heart rate's up and you're just feeling motivated, you're just like, yeah, baby. Yeah, and maybe try this one. Why not me? Why can't I take the next step and PR? Maybe lift a little bit more at CrossFit or whatever it is, whatever, however it speaks to you. Try it out. Let me know if it works. And if you're like, no, I hate it, then don't do it because there's nothing worse than saying a mantra that doesn't speak to you in your head as you're working out because it's not going to motivate you. So find one that fits and sticks and do it to it. 
I just squeezed a blueberry in my hand and it's disgusting. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed Molly Seidel's story. I hope you maybe thought of a running mantra or, or thought of a good snack to have the next time you're hungry and around the house and you're like, I don't have food. And you're like, wait a minute, lentils, salsa, and tortilla chips. Because <laughs> again, adding a little bit of fiber, a little bit of protein, some healthy fats will keep you full more so than just eating chips. Anyways, digressing, digressing. Check out my newest YouTube video I just recorded about my myofascial massage experience. I thought it was interesting. And I ranted a little bit and I thought, I, I, I don't know. Check it out. Let me know your thoughts. <laughs> I hope you're having an excellent week. And if you aren't, I hope you can turn it around today and get to the weekend, baby. I'm going to Palm Springs this week and I'm really excited. And then the next week I'm going to San Diego. And then in two weekends, I'm seeing my dad in Minnesota and then going to Wisconsin to see two of my best friends from high school. I got a lot of stuff on the calendar and I think I'm going to vlog a word I use far and few between. I think I'm going to video record, aka vlog, and put some stuff on my YouTube because, you know, could be interesting. I will talk to you later. Okay, goodbye.